Before I read this scripture, uh, I do want to take a moment to introduce our preacher of the hour. And uh, there's a there's a bio, there's a short version of Karen Yee's bio in her in here. Uh, we could have filled two pages with her credentials as uh, a minister of God in the American Baptist Church. And uh, uh, so you can see all of that. I know her as uh, one of my mentors when I was uh, a minister in training at Alameda First Baptist Church. One of my favorite memories of working with Karen was that we would, <clears throat> we had this uh, pact with each other. We would resign to each other when things got really yucky uh, around church, when someone would chap us off or someone would do something mean, we'd write, I resign on a piece of paper and hand it to the other person. <laughs> and uh, and uh, they would accept that resignation for them. <laughs> we usually kept it to ourselves. But uh, we're blessed to have her here. She has been uh, ministering to the American Baptist Women's Conference that was hosted here. Uh, rep- three or four different churches represented, and it was, a great, uh, it was a great meeting. It was good to have all those ladies here. So thank you for being here. Following the choir, she will be taking the pulpit. Turn with me, if you will, to 1 Kings 17, 8 through 24. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Go now to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and live there. For I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he set out, and he went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the town, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and said, Bring me a little water in a vessel so that I may drink. I'm sure he said, Please, right? (laughs) As she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. But she said, As the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of meal in a jar and a little oil in a jug. I am now gathering a couple of sticks so that I may go home and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, Do not be afraid. Go and do as you have said, but first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me. And afterwards, make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the jar of meal will not be emptied and the jar of oil will not fail until the day that the Lord sends rain on the earth. She went and did as Elijah said, so that she as well as he and her household ate for many days. The jar of meal was not emptied. Neither did the jug of oil fail according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. After this, the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, became ill. Ill. His illness was so severe that there was no breath left in him. She then said to Elijah, What have you against me, O man of God? You have come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to cause the death of my son. But he said to her, Give me your son. He took him from her bosom, carried him into the upper chamber where he was lodging, and he laid on him on his own bed. He cried out to the Lord, O Lord my God, you have brought calamity even upon the widow with whom I am staying by killing her son. Then he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried out to the Lord, O Lord my God, let this child's life come into him again. 
The Lord listened to the voice of Elijah, and the life of the child came into him again, and he revived. Elijah took the child, brought him down from the upper chamber into the house, and gave him to his mother. Then Elijah said, See, your son is alive. So the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God, and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is truth. May God add a blessing to this reading of the text and cause it to be the inspired word for us today. Good morning. My name is Reverend Karen Yee, and I bring you greetings from California. Um, I don't know a lot about Utah and Salt Lake, and so at the women's conference, I asked them, what do you like best about Utah? And everybody said the mountains. And I said, okay. And so yesterday I had a chance to go up to your beautiful mountains, and in fact, they are something to behold. I do bring you greetings from uh, New Life Christian Fellowship in Castro Valley from the Reverend Katie Choi Wong and also from the Yu Mien Friendship Baptist Church in Richmond, California, where I, where I serve as the English-speaking pastor. Curtis got to tell you a story about me, so I'm, I've been racking my brain here trying to think of a story to tell you. Um, I'm known as the quiet Asian in California, and... Uh, the only other person who can compete with my quietness is Curtis Price. You hear him before you see him. Amen? So, uh, Curtis, I think I know why you got such a big church, because you're, when you laugh, it reaches all the corners of this place. Amen. Well, it is an honor to be here uh, and to be part of uh, your fellowship. And so uh, will you just join me in a word of prayer as we begin? Amazing and gracious God, I thank you for already the time of worship that we've been able to experience here. God, we pray that your spirit will continue to minister to us. That, Lord, there is just going to be more and more of you and less and less of me in this place. I pray, Lord, that you will speak this day. That the words that come forth are not from me, but are from you. And that the people that need to hear it, that the persons in this place will be encouraged by you. I thank you, God. And please get me out of the way and don't let me be a burden. In Jesus' name, amen. When trusting God is a handful. Now, there's a question mark in your bulletin. Take that out. It's not supposed to be a question mark. When trusting God is a handful. It's not always easy to trust God, to have faith, especially during difficult times, when life itself is a handful. I often tell people that they can call me Karen Ye of little faith. You see, I know exactly how that father felt when he said to Jesus, I believe, just help my unbelief. You see, I think even, even those of us who have grown up in the church, we believe, but it's tough sometimes to really believe. Trusting God is a handful when life is difficult, when we are hurting, and when our prayers and our hopes don't go the way that we desire. In these economic times, some have lost jobs. Some of you are probably fi struggling financially and trying just to make ends meet, and trusting God is a handful. Some here are battling with medical issues in your own life, or maybe in the life of someone that you love. 
in these times, trusting God is a handful. Some of us are wrestling with relationships and family issues. We come to church and we say, everything's fine. And inside our smiles and behind those smiles, we battle depression, uncertainty, and feelings of hopelessness. Yes, when times are tough and uncertain, when life is overwhelming, sometimes I believe trusting God is a handful. Perhaps no one knows this better than the widow who encounters Elijah. If you wouldn't mind, I want to go over that text with you again. So if you can, if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Kings chapter 17, beginning with verse 8. 1 Kings chapter 17, beginning with verse 8. And the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Go now to Zephyrah, which, I can't say the word. I'm glad you said it once right. I couldn't do it. Then the word of the Lord came to him, and he said, Go, go and live there, for I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So Elijah went, and he went to the city. And when he came, he came to the gate of the town, and a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and said, Bring me a little water in a vessel so that I may drink. And I don't know if he said please. Because back then, men just ordered women around. Bring me a vessel so that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, hey, and, and bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. But she says, as the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked. Only a handful of meal in a jar and a little oil in a jug. In fact, I'm now gathering sticks so that I may go home and prepare it for myself and my son. That way we may eat it and die. Elijah says to her, do not be afraid. Go and do as you have said. But first, make me a little cake. Make me a little cake. And afterwards, make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of meal will not be empty, and the jar, jug of oil will not fall until the day that the Lord sends rain on the earth. And she went, did as Elijah said. Now let me give you a little background. Elijah was a man of God, a prophet who brings God's warning to the people. Elijah is then told by God to hide. After he tells the king, you're not doing it right, he goes and he hides. And God provides for him initially by by sending birds, ravens to feed him meat and bring him bread in the morning and in the evening. And he's sitting by a stream and he drinks water from the stream. But when the stream dries up, God says, okay, now go to the city and go find a widow to feed you. Now, you may not think that this is an act of faith by Elijah, but understand how much guts did it take for Elijah? I mean, it's one thing to eat and drink from what nature gives you, right? But God is telling you now to go and get food from a widow. But not just any widow. You see, Elijah is a stranger, a Jew 
in Palestinian territory. He is going into enemy territory to go ask for food. And he's not just going to ask for food from anyone. He's going to place his life and his faith in God. But he now has to ask a poor widow from the land of Jezebel, who he has just met, and ask her to place her life, the life of her son, into his hands. This is the last person Elijah would expect to help him. But she is the one that God has chosen to be Elijah's provider and to be an instrument of God's glory. The last person you would expect to be able to help Elijah is a poor widow in an enemy land. But yet God chooses a poor widow to help the great prophet Elijah. It proves once again that all of us can be used by God. That God sometimes chooses the least likely person among us to help and to serve. But I want to ask you again, how difficult was the proud prophet to now go and ask this widow to feed him? Will you do me a favor? Will you hold out your hand in front of you? Open it and close it. Now imagine that the amount of flour that your hand can hold is all that stands between you and your child's life and death. I mean, that's it. That's all you have. You have no IRA. You have no savings. You have nothing but what is in your hand. Would you give this up to a stranger? I don't know. I don't think I would. I mean, to be truly honest, would you give up your last handful of flour? Because you feel God is asking you to do this? Do you trust God this much? When trusting God is a handful. It must have been so difficult to, for the widow to give up the last bit of her food to Elijah, a stranger she has just met. In fact, I think some of us would call her foolish. I mean, would you do it? I mean, think about it. Would you do it? Those of you who have children, this is it. This is all you have. Would you give it to a stranger because you feel like God is telling you to do it? Do you trust in God's provision? Would you trust God this much? But see, sometimes God asks us to trust him this much. And it's hard to do it. And I want to say here that that's amazingly difficult to trust God when all that we have is this. But maybe I have to ask, do we see life through our own limited viewpoint? Are we looking to God who can do all all things? Are we more focused on the problem than on the Lord? Sometimes I believe we focus on what we can see. We place our hopes and we give our trust to the wrong things. You see, the widow could have just said, this is what I trust in. This is what I can hold. And this is what is sure. But see, I believe you and I also trust in things that may not be quite the right things to trust in. 
Some of us look to our economy and our own resources. Some of us trust in our legal system. Some of us trust in our government. Maybe not very many of us anymore. Uh, some of us trust on our relationships to help us for our hope. But we will always be let down because the government will definitely have its ups and downs. That IRA, that Social Security, that savings account that we count on, that we trust in, may not always be there. Our resources are limited. Our legal system may not always be just. Our government cannot do it all, even if they stay open. In our relationships, our friends, our family, I want to tell you that as much as they love us, they will fail us. They cannot always be there for us. They don't always do or act the right way because they are imperfect people like you and I. You see, church, we are called not to trust in the things that we, we see, that we can hold, that we think we can trust in. The only thing that we can be sure of, the only thing that we can truly trust is the Lord. The widow trusted the Lord. The widow trusted Elijah and she trusted that God would indeed provide. She sacrificed and she gave freely of what little that she had for the purposes of God. And guess what? God kept his promises. For the jar of meal was not emptied. Neither did the jar of oil fail according to the word of the Lord that he spoke to Elijah. But you see, sometimes it's hard, isn't it? We want to hold on and we want to believe in the things that we can touch and what we can hold and what we're used to. But God sometimes challenges us to just trust him one handful at a time. The widow trusted. She gave up what stood between her and her son. Now, see, here's the other thing. Do you understand that? It's one thing. We'll sacrifice maybe for ourselves, but she not only sacrificed for herself, but her child. That's trusting in God. Now, this would be a great story if it ended here, wouldn't it? But it doesn't end here. The story continues. Join me as we keep reading chapter se uh, verse 17. After this, the son of the widow, the mistress of the house, became ill, and his illness was so severe that there was no breath left in him. In other words, he died. The son died. So then she goes to Elijah, and she says, what have you against me? Excuse me, hello. Do you remember me, the one who gave you the very last? Oh, man of God, you have come to bring me my sins to remembrance and cause the death of my son. Elijah took him from her and carried him up to the upper chambers where he was lodging. And he laid him on his own bed. And he cried out to the Lord, Oh, Lord, my God, have you brought calamity even upon the widow with whom I am staying by killing her son? Now, you've got to understand that Elijah is probably freaking out by now. Does that make sense? I mean, he trusted in God and, and he provided for the woman. And he's saying, okay, good. And then all of a sudden the woman's son dies. This is not how the story is supposed to go. 
The widow's son suddenly dies. How in the world can this be part of God's plan? How often do we ask this? We question when things don't go the way we expect things to go. When God's will and God's ways are different from our will and our ways, from our wants and our desires. It is especially difficult during these times when trusting God is a handful. You see, it was one thing to trust God when the son was alive and there was just that handful of flour. But now she did it. She gave. She helped God. And now her son is dead. Would you still trust God? Would you still trust God? When bad things happen to you in your life, do you still trust God? What we have to remember is God's most incredible and awesome deeds often come from the worst of times. In the midst of despair and destruction, it is when God's power is demonstrated the most, when God can turn darkness into light, despair into hope, death into resurrection. We must resist the temptation to equate our circumstances with God. The Lord is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Our circumstances will change, but the Lord never changes. Our circumstances do not diminish the character and power of God. You see, sometimes we say, well, when, God, when things are happening that are good in us, we say, God is good. God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. But is God still good when life sucks? I know I can say suck because he's your pastor. (laughs) I would never say that anywhere else, but Curtis is your pastor. (laughs) Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm, I'm asking you something real. It is one thing to trust and praise God when things are going good, but do we still trust in God and do we still praise God when things are bad? I'm here this morning to tell you, do never equate your circumstances with God. No matter how your life is going, that does not take away from who God is and the power that God has. Nothing can change God's faithfulness and power. We pray and we trust, not just because God has been good to us, but because God's word tells us that God is faithful, that God is good. We trust because we must walk by faith and not by sight. In times of certainty, one thing is certain, that God is certain, that God is still God, that God is still Lord of all, that God is the certainty of things hoped for and the assurance of things unseen. It is in the hard times and in the times of trial that our roots must go deep and grow stronger. You see, trusting in God during difficult times happens underground when we can't see it. But we know it, that God is good no matter what. I want you to notice something about this widow. I do like her, and I don't think she said please. She was a woman of action. She, just, she did not just sit at home waiting to die. When she encountered Elijah, she wasn't, what was she doing? 
She was out gathering wood. When her son died, she just didn't sit at home mourning and going, Oh, I'm, pity me. I'm sorry. I, he, he wasn't whining like Curtis whines. <laughs> no, when, her, when, when she needed to, she didn't sit there and whine. She got up and she did something. This woman, this widow was a woman of action. She actively sought out Elijah, the man of God. When her son died, she just didn't sit there crying. She picked up her son and she went looking for Elijah and said, help me. Because she knew and she trusted that God was still God. You see, trusting God is a handful, but it begins with action on our behalf. We must take a step. We must make a move and not let life just happen to us. Not let life knock us down or roll over us. Faith is not passive. Notice there is always two things. There's action and then there's release. Will you just say that with me? There's action and then there is release. Say it one more time. There's action and then there is release. The root of our problem lies in the fact that either we don't begin, we don't act, or once we start acting, we won't let go and we won't release it to God. You see, you and I, we must take action. We must seek. We must begin. We must start something. We must take a step. We must gather some wood. We must plant a seed. We must approach God in prayer. We must move forward. We must begin to mow. We must begin to row. We must turn our engines. We have to start somewhere. Faith is active. But then we must release. We must let go and let God. We must let go and trust in God. After we take action, we must then release and let God begin to steer. Let God begin to grow. Let God begin to work and move to meet us right where we are. Don't try to be in control, but allow God to be God. Do, do you get what I'm saying? In times of hardship, don't just sit there and moan. Don't just give up, but move, act, pray, seek, begin. And then once you meet God, then let God take over. Don't hold on to those burdens. Don't hold on, but then release and then let God then carry you as Elijah carried the son. Trusting God is a process. Each time we trust, each time we take a step of faith, we learn, we grow, and we gain our trust and our confidence. And we begin to sense that we are not alone and that God is present. And we learn like the widow that trust comes one handful at a time. Ask anyone. When you begin to trust, once you trust, you begin to trust a little bit more. And if you trust a little bit more, then you can trust a little bit more. Do you understand that? That trust doesn't happen all at once. Trust happens one handful at a time. One step at a time. People who demonstrate this kind of faith that we see in the widow are our American Baptist missionaries. I believe that they are people of faith and action. This month you're collecting for the World Mission Offering, and I could not not say something about them. 
I want to lift them up to you to say that they are the widow of this world. That they are people of faith and action. They serve around the world who go wherever God calls them to go. No matter of the uncertainty or difficulties that they will encounter. Missionaries are special. They are gifted servants of God. All of them. Because they, like the widow, trust one handful at a time. They don't always know what's going to happen. In fact, half the time things happen that are bad, but yet they still cling on and they still trust in God. There are many, many, many wonderful missionaries, but today I want to just lift up one. And her picture and her card is in your bulletin. Her name is Ingrid Rodan Roman. She's a missionary serving in Panama and in Costa Rica. She directs and teaches in the Panamanian Theological Center that trains and equips pastors and leaders in the third world country. She also received a doctorate from the American Baptist Seminary of the West. Thank you. I was waiting for that. She also opens up her home as a tutoring center for children who have been kicked out of the system. She feeds and she purchases all their supplies. She crosses a dangerous bridge across the border on foot early in the morning and late at night to a pastor or a church that, get this, has seven adults and 70 children. You know why there's 70 children? Because these children are children of parents of the local bar owners and of the prostitutes who work for the truck drivers from the local banana plantation. You see... The truck drivers, when the bridge is closed, they can't go over to the banana plants, so they pull into these bars, and there are prostitutes there, and these children are the children of those prostitutes. These children are, are parent, their parents are the local bar owners and prostitutes, and Ingrid's prayer is that these children will grow up knowing and living out the power of the gospel to bring real change that they may not follow in the footsteps of their parents. Ingrid, like other missionaries, knows what it means to trust and have faith in God one handful at a time. I want to share with you one event that really makes me know and believe that our missionaries are special. One event changed Ingrid forever. It was a Saturday, June 10, 2006, the night of Ingrid's farewell party, a celebration of her ministry before she was to return home to Puerto Rico and to the United States for a year. In other words, they serve for four or five years, and then they come home on a furlough to just rest. And Ingrid, she's one of those workaholics, so she, she didn't come home for a long time. She stretched it out. She didn't want to leave her people. But finally, after eight years, she finally came home. She, so they threw her a party, and they said, okay, Ingrid, before you go, we're going to throw you a party before you leave us. So they threw her a party, and at the close of the event, supper was served, and people started to leave. Eleven people decided that they didn't want to stay for supper, so they packed up their food in in those white containers. You know what I'm talking about, right? They expressed their gratitude for Ingrid, and they got a lift from a truck driver passing by on a pickup truck. They left singing praises to the Lord. But unfortunately, the truck driver was drunk. The truck driver lost control and he hit a tractor trailer. And all 11 passengers between the ages of six months and 50 years old were catapulted from the back of the truck and killed instantly. 
Some were decapitated. As Ingrid ran towards the accident, she saw the white food containers that they had carried away from her party. And she found the bodies of her friends thrown all along the road. It would be Ingrid's responsibility to identify and bury each one of her friends. Each person was a part of her ministry and a part of her life. I want to ask you, how does anyone survive after something like this? How, can this, how does this affect a person's faith and trust in God? Here are Ingrid's own words. As I traveled down the road eight days later after the accident, I thought about my friends. They had traveled that same road to bid me farewell and celebrate my ministry. And after leaving, the farewell was eternity for them. God celebrated by welcoming them to his eternal presence. It was their night of resurrection. The memory of such a hideous experience has affirmed the reality of God's constant companionship in our lives and in each occurrence, good and bad. You see, church, I want to say to you that our missionaries are incredible people because they trust in God one handful of it at a time. And they model for us that we too must trust in God one handful at a time because despite our circumstances, God is the Alpha and the Omega, the Creator and the Savior, the Victorious One over darkness and death, the Giver of life and resurrection. God is the ultimate healer, provider, Jehovah Jireh. God is our constant friend and a constant presence at all times. And sometimes trusting God is a handful at a time. But it is done one handful at a time. Trusting God is made possible by the grace of God, one handful at a time. Let us pray. Dear God, I want to thank you for the widow and her faith. God, I want to thank you for our missionaries, such as Ingrid and their faith that they model for us how to believe, how to trust in you in the good times and the bad to believe that you are almighty and that sometimes trusting just is one handful, one step at a time. Lord, help us this day. Meet us right where we are. In Jesus' name.